Good morning. You look great. It's been a home run. It's been awesome. Uh, first service, there was some Cousin Eddie's. Um, and of course, somebody had to go ahead and take my challenge from last week, and somebody showed up in Ketty, Cousin Eddie's bathrobe and the hat. Um, I'll give you a couple guesses on who that might be. But um, you look great. I love this. Um, maybe a couple things. Of course, there's always one. I knew it was coming. Uh, Nathan Young, he decided to show up today with an Iowa Hawkeyes emblem on his sweater. That's his ugly sweater. So he knew that, were, he knew that was coming. And I see Cindy's wearing a Michigan gear. That's not, that doesn't fit. Like, that's not who she is. But um, a lot of fun. The one thing that somebody said after, two people, three people after service, and this was not planned at all, but I, I'm, I'm really geeked that it worked out. Like, they was like, how did you get your tie to match? I'm like, what? Like, that happened. Like, I didn't even, I was just trying to put my tie on, and it matches. So I have to think about that next, next year when I do it. But it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, you know, it fits the season, does it not? To do something outlandish. To do something just funny or hilarious. Because why? Because this season is represented, especially in that word joy. And when there's joy, we kind of act a little silly sometimes. We're just, we're, you know, and so this, this, this series, we're looking at four words, right? The, the, the four words of the season. Hope, peace, joy, and love. My hope is that in this series, though, that maybe this year, more so than other years, that we kind of focus and, and we're reminded that what we celebrate and what we are fixate on and what we spend time thinking about and we react and recount and all of those, those things that we do in the season as we look at the nativity, as we think about the different characters and we understand the way God came to this earth, Often we, we have these thoughts like, wow, that was amazing, great. I get what it means for me. And we begin to think that what God did was like, uh, if, if the activity of God it reaches, and this is, a, this is the mountain peak of what he's done. And now it's just kind of, uh, it's good, but it's not quite, it, it, it's not downhill from here. But, you know, that was the mountain when he incarnated himself into the word world and i want to remind you that actually in this advent season is what we celebrate in his first coming it is reminding us and building anticipation in our heart for his second coming god is not done and in fact what this season reminds us of is that god has been faithful to the plan that he enacted in the garden genesis chapter 3 when man fell god already was at work with a plan and that actually his coming into this world was it was like a mountain uh in that plan and now obviously we kind of are living down in the valley but guess what there is a higher and even greater mountain that is coming and that actually his first coming is to build anticipation for his second coming it is an event in a series of events that forms the plan of God. And as I look at the nativity, I'm reminded of how much God loves me, how much he is personal, how much he cares. 
But I should also be reminded, God is not done. And God has started something into motion when he came into this world that has big and glorious uh, ramifications for us going forward. The best is yet to come. And we anticipate the final salvation of our Lord as he comes to return to this earth. Now the nativity informs us on the nature of how God comes. And that's why it's so beneficial to spend time recounting the story. We understand uh, how God is, his nature, how he relates to man, and uh, you know, just principles about life and about how he, how, what he wants us to know about his grace and his love, his mercy. And we see that in the story as we look at the different characters and we see shepherds that are, um, are low on the societal totem pole. It doesn't matter. God proclaims his truth to them. We see wise men that are on the upper echelon of society. They're the, the creme de creme, right, of society. And he appears to them and draws them. There are so many things. Mary, a humble um, uh, nobody, so to speak. Joseph, uh, there's so many things about how he came into this world that inform us about his nature. But at the end of the day, the realization that he came, his plan is in place, he's faithfully done everything he said he's gonna do. And when I think about his first coming, I can have confidence that the plan is going to continue to happen and unfold. And that means huge things for me. How many of you remember being in the backyard, front yard, living room, toy room? How many of you remember pretending, playing out different scenes and characters? How many of you do that? Every one of you should raise your hand. We all had an imagination as a kid, right? You remember... I have won more World Series and Super Bowls and NBA championships in my yard in Mount Pleasant, Iowa than you could count. I am the GOAT of all time of all sports, right? You remember that? Remember you won the game or you fought and won the battle or you became the princess or you are the king? Remember how you did that? You know what is amazing? I think about my pretending and what we do as, as kids and we allow our man, imagination to run. You know, there was this undaunted optimism in my mind, in my heart. I would even create the most severe of circumstances. And I would make it as dark and as uphill as it could be in my mind in the yard because I knew that I was going to win. Right? I knew that there was nothing that was going to stop me. I created because there was such undaunted optimism as we imagine, as we pretend, as we hope, as we dream. I believe that that kind of mindset is, is what is encapsulated in this word joy, an undaunted optimism. You know, uh, I don't know how many of you listen to Kenny Rogers. So Kathy's like, uh, who else in here? Like, I don't really listen to Kenny Rogers. In fact, the only song I know for him is, um, you gotta know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. It's always been a guide for me in my gambling career, so. It's always come through for me. You know, Kenny Rogers, you know, but 
He, um, he sings another song. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you today, okay? I've sung enough Kenny Rogers already. But I want you to listen to this. It's kind of written in story form, right? And some of you will know this song as I begin to read it. But this is like, this is what I want to share about what is it, the essence of joy. Listen to this. The little boy in a baseball hat stands in the field with his ball and his bat. Says, I am the greatest player of them all. He puts his bat in his shoulder and he tosses up his ball. The ball goes up and the ball comes down. He swings his bat all the way around. The world's so still you can hear the sound. The baseball falls to the ground. Now the little boy doesn't say a word. He picks up his ball. He is undeterred. He says, I am the greatest that there has ever been. And he grits his teeth and he tries again. And the ball goes up and the ball comes down. He swings his bat all the way around. The world's so still you can hear the sound as the baseball falls to the ground. He makes no excuses. He shows no fear. He just closes his eyes and he listens to the cheers. Little boy, he adjusts his hat, picks up his ball and stares at his bat says, I am the greatest when the game is on the line. And he gives his all one last time. The ball goes up. The moon's so bright, he swings his bat with all his might. The world's as still as still can be. The baseball falls. And that's strike three. Now it's supper time and his mama calls. Little boy starts home with his bat and ball. Says, I am the greatest that is a fact. But even I didn't know I could pitch like that. <laughs> Says, I am the greatest that is understood. But even I didn't know I could pitch that good. Undaunted optimism, right? Undaunted. And that to me is joy. Joy is a central word used eight times, even just in the narrative of Matthew and Luke as they tell the, the Christmas story. I mean, listen to what the angels say. The angels said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I mean, come on. This is why we say Merry Christmas and not Scary Christmas, Right? Mary is at the heart of, of, of what this season is about, and we greet one another with Merry Christmas, right? Amen? And they say, Happy Holidays to me, and I say, Merry Christmas. And they say, Season's greetings, and I say, Merry Christmas. Because that's what this is all about, and it's joy. Just even in the greeting we have, it's full, it's packed full of Mary. It's joy, it's triumphant. There's an undaunted optimism that this whole season brings. I want to remind you that joy in the scripture is a gift from God. It's given to us by God. And then it's called for us to allow him to keep that joy in our life. The, the word joy is, is chara. Uh, the word grace is charis. And they're, they're completely linked for a reason. Because grace and joy are intertwined. With God's grace comes great 
joy. Joy is that gift of God, and is, it's a response then that flows and springs out of our heart to the gifts that God gives and brings into our lives. Joy comes when we're aware of God's grace, and we relish. You like that word, relish? <laughs> I don't use that word too much. Think about that word, right? I don't like relish either. I don't use the word, but there's something to that word. We relish his favor. The dictionary would would define, describe joy in this way, a sense of well-being, a state of mind, a combination of emotions, contentment, confidence, hope, delight, and satisfaction. I would remind you, as I talked about this about a year ago, that there is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is an attitude or satis- of satisfaction or delight based upon a circumstance. Happiness is related to happenings. It's related to happenstance. In fact, happiness, the, the, the word at the beginning, hap, is the idea, it's defined as chance. Happiness tends to be externally triggered and it's based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. And I wish you happiness, right? There's legitimacy to that. A desire to be happy, to see people happy. That their, their events, the circumstances of their life are favorable. And that creates some happiness. But you know, the scriptures teach us that joy is a much richer idea, a much deeper reality than just happiness. It carries with it a consistent internal uh, presence in our lives. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. It's kind of this, right? It's internal. It's given by God. It's Christ-centered. It's a choice that we allow to exist in our life through the presence of the Holy Spirit as we entertain him into our life, as we interact, engage with him, he brings what we call a fruit of the Spirit. It's joy. It's different than happiness that is external and temporary and can change. Everybody's been there, right? Um, You know what it is to be happy and not be happy. Joy is something that is far deeper in our heart. In fact, this is, this is the working definition for me. Um, uh, Kay Warren would say this, the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Why don't we just stop for a moment? Would you, together, those yellow words, can we say those together? Settled assurance, quiet confidence, determined choice. That's joy. Um, Another way I I would talk to you about joy is, and what I think the scriptures are teaching us about joy, and what Mary is going to show to us in a moment about joy. It's the same kind of reality of, of what I experience to a shallow degree in DVR right? Um, so I miss a game of my favorite team, and I DVR it. 
But I'm already aware of the score. And I know Iowa has won again. <laughs> Except for Wisconsin, right? And I go to watch that game. I know the score. It's a whole lot different experience than when I watch it live. Isn't it? Live, I'm like riding the roller coaster, man. I joke, all four of my kids, I've watched it with them. Like, come fall, for 12 Saturdays a year, daddy is someone they don't recognize. <laughs> I, I watched, I'm serious, like this last one, Sayla just kind of looks at me for a while. I ride the highs, and then I'm like, you know, yelling at the TV, why did you do that? That was a bad call, you know. <laughs> and they're just like, by now it's year two or three that she's paid attention. She doesn't even pay attention. They just all ignore me, like, oh, I was on, so. Right? I mean, I am full of anxiety at times. Should I admit that as a pastor? You think I'm really shallow, don't you? Yeah, but I've, I've watched games with you too, so. You know, I'm like, I, but when I watch a game DVR'd, I kind of enjoy it when they get down. I kind of enjoy it when it's a struggle because I know what is going to happen, right? Think about the movies that you love. That first time you watched them, you were, you know, you were on the edge of your seat and you, you maybe didn't enjoy the movie as much because it created some anxiety in your heart. How is this going to turn out? Who's going to survive? Who's going to win? Who, how is this going to roll, Right? But once you've watched it, it's like the second, third, fourth time you watch it, you really begin to enjoy it. Because you kind of soak in even the challenging times because you, you know how it's going to end, right? You enjoy it. And there's just this, I, you know, except for Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and I keep watching that and there's no moral story, you know. It's just, just enjoy the comedy. That's how I want to hopefully talk about joy and understanding of joy today. I mean, you think about if you had a, a little boy and his, his truck breaks that he's playing with and he's sobbing and he's heartbroken. And, and what if his father were to come to him and say, hey, son, it's okay do you realize that we have a relative that's just left us a hundred million dollars? It's okay. What is that little boy going to do in that moment? He's going to cry harder because you're not fixing his truck. Right? And all the while, he's an heir to an unbelievable inheritance. And I think the scripture is why Paul prays earnestly that you and I might understand the height depth breadth and length of God's love it's because he wants us to grab a hold of who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ and that often the circumstances of our lives are like the broken truck but all the while we're multi-millionaires that's why he says in Ephesians you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and you know what that means for us? It means something that you and I can't even grasp a hold of right now, today. 
but his first coming promises the second coming, which means all spiritual blessing is awaiting us now and forever. I mean, think about it. If I was a, a billionaire and I get a cab in New York City and I, I get out and I go to pay my fare and I, I have three tens in my wallet and I, I give the guy a ten to pay for my cab ride and I go on about my day and I go to pay for something else, a cup of coffee, and I reach into my pocket and I realize, oh, I don't have two tens left. I only have one. I must have handed the cab got driver $20 instead of 10 I overpaid him. What would my reaction be? What would your reaction be if you would have done that? Are you going to get upset? Are you going to go to the police and demand that they search the city for the cab driver? No. You're going to shrug. You're a billionaire. You lost $10. So what? I know some of you are like, it's still $10. But really, think about it. It's uh, even a less equation with a penny in your car, right? Don't shrug losing a, you shrug losing a penny. What you own, what you have is inconsequential to a penny. I want you to think that you're just too rich to be concerned about that kind of loss. This week, somebody criticized you. Something you bought or invested in was turned out to be less valuable than you thought. Something you wanted to happen didn't go the way you wanted it to. And don't get me wrong, these are losses and they sting us. But as a Christian, what is my response? Will this setback disrupt my contentment with life? Will I shake my fist at God? Will I toss and turn at night? And if I do, I would say that probably God looking on just simply wants to say, do you realize truly how rich you are and what awaits you even in the midst of this setback? Sometimes when these things happen, we get upset. You know, we get upset because somebody said something and we lash out because our feelings are hurt. And we could say, you know what? You lashed out, you're just, you're, you don't have any self-control or you have low self-esteem and so that's the reason why you're always lashing out at other people because you don't feel good about yourself. We could say all those things and maybe that's, there's some true. But I would say fundamentally as a Christian, what happens often is we lose touch with our identity. As a Christian, you are a spiritual billionaire and often we're wringing our hands over ten dollars joy is an undaunted optimism in who we are in christ i i realize i've just put some joy robbers that have happened in my life and the scriptures will say that happen in ours but right unconfessed sin robs us of joy um, David showed that when he had the affair with Bathsheba and he killed Uriah we read those psalms he was he says it was so bad that his bones he felt it in his bones the agony of his sin and that robbed him of his joy he testifies to that unresolved conflict right that's a big one 
the scriptures are always teaching us to, to, to as much as is within you, live at peace, live in harmony with others. You can't always determine how they're going to treat you, but you can, you can control your part. And when you do try to live with peace with others, there is joy that flows out of that. There's an unbalanced schedule, right? Overworked, underworked, too much input, not enough output. Um, I think about information without uh, expression leads to depression. Um, unbalanced in your life and it can rob you of joy. Undernourished spirit. Not, not allowing yourself to drink in from the Holy Spirit. These are joy robbers. But I want to remind you that what this season means, it is a season of joy. And why you and I can live every day with an undaunted optimism. I believe Mary kind of shows us that in this story around the nativity. You remember in Luke chapter 1 that the angel appears to Mary and tells her, hey, you're highly favored. You've been chosen. She didn't know what this meant at first, right? It says she was afraid. She didn't know what these things mean is what the scripture says. And the angel keeps talking to her, revealing to her what this means. And what's cool is in this story is not only does the angel come and, and reveal to her, but also try to give her confidence. But then we read in the story that she goes and finds her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth confirms, helps to create a confidence in her heart about what God has spoken to her about. Remember that, that, that narrative as we're leading up to the, the nativity. We read about Mary visiting Elizabeth and, and uh, when they came together, it says that in Elizabeth's womb, the, the mother of John the Baptist, the spirit leapt within her and, and there was confirmation. I'm just reminded, kind of as a sidebar, so often God speaks to us and, and leads us and so often we're unsure, we're believing and trusting. And so often he brings somebody into our life to confirm his will. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what he does with Mary here. And when they come together, Mary kind of just starts to talk about what all of this means to her. And it's an amazing thing. It's called Mary's Song. or uh, uh, they, they've, they've written whole orchestra pieces over this song and as she as she proclaims now the realization of what God is going to do in her heart and life what is coming ahead and in that psalm she start or in that song she starts this way Luke chapter 1 and verse 46 Mary says my soul glorifies the Lord megalune is that word it is mega is obviously it's to amplify, to intensify. It's, I am overwhelmed. I, this, this joy, or the, my soul is so, it's overwhelmed by what God is going to do me. And I, I am just like a microphone now. I can't help myself but proclaim and realizing what's about ready to take place and how I'm involved. My soul glorifies the Lord. I am going to get outside of myself here. I am going to, you know, when something happens to us that it's like, you know, blows us away or we're overwhelmed and we burst out in exclamation or in, in and gladness and that's what she's doing my soul 
glorifies the Lord. I'm about, I'm bursting here at what is about ready to go down. And then she says this, and my spirit, and here's that word, rejoices in God my Savior. And this word rejoices carries with it again. It's a hyperbole. It's it's a overstated word. It's an intense word. It's an exaggerated word. It means exceeding, loud, grandiose joy or joy that's so big and so overwhelming that it's unspeakable. My soul is just bursting with joy now in what God is going to do in God my Savior. And I think that she helps us, though, as she continues to talk, understand how joy can continue to be a constant theme of our heart. I think one of the hallmarks of a Christian is joy. It is. How do people know you're a believer? One of the ways God says that should happen is your joy. Your undaunted optimism, your settled assurance, your quiet, your confidence, right? Joy. I've seen it so many times. I've seen people come to Jesus Christ and forever their lives change and their eternity change because of another person's joy. It just attracted them. They were like, what is going on with that person? That is supernatural. Something is different about them. It's the joy that resonates. The first early church always was joyous, joyful. And that is one of the things that God is wanting to do in our heart. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's create this joy in us. This undaunted optimism. And Mary is experiencing this when she starts to contemplate what God is going to do in her. And then she explains it a little bit. And these are the three things I want to leave with you about joy that I think you and I need to understand if we want this to be a consistent attitude or reality in our heart. Joy. Remember what the Old Testament says? The joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength. It's our strength. What keeps me going often is the joy that the Lord brings into my heart. It's that undaunted optimism that even when things are not going, it's that little kid in the yard swinging his bat and striking out and then thinking he's the greatest pitcher in the world. And this is what she says. I would want you to first of all notice, joy is not contingent on our circumstances. Listen to what Mary says. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I want you to understand how humble it was for Mary. She is probably 14 or 15 years old. She's just had this conversation. Hey mom, I'm pregnant. She's not married. Really? Who's the father? Uh, God? It's absurd. Who's going to believe this? It's ridiculous, this claim from Mary. She's dealing with all of a sudden a life change. 
who's really going to believe that she experienced a virgin birth? Or she was a part of the virgin birth? Really? She's got Joseph to think about. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was thinking in my own life, you know, when Nicole and I were engaged, if she came to me and said she was pregnant, what would my response be? One of anger, betrayal. I'm ready to... Joseph experienced all those things. And then to compound it, could you just not tell me who was with? You got to use God? Like, what are you trying to hide? She's aware of all this. She's already been told. She looks around and her present circumstance is not favorable. Is she going to have to leave Nazareth, her hometown, because she's that scarlet letter girl? Not only has she had a baby out of wedlock, and that was really taboo in that culture, correct? I mean, you got the Jewish culture where actually at some point in their history, an execution would have been would have happened in Deuteronomy it would have I mean it was it was pretty strict then and in this day it would have been definitely a divorce Joseph's day would have been a divorce am I going to have to leave town am I going to lose my family am I going to be shamed am I going to live the rest of my life all of this and in the middle of that what is she doing she is bursting forth with joy because regardless of her circumstance Joy is not contingent on that. It's not. I, my spirit, rejoices in what God, my Savior, is going to do. The scriptures are always telling us this. I mean, look at what Jesus said to us. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you and they reject you as evil. They mischaracterize you. I can't think of any, I, all of us have kind of been acquainted with some of this, and that causes very unfavorable circumstances. I mean, the core of who we want to be is loved and love. And when we experience these things, our world is rocked and turned upside down, and Jesus says this, rejoice in that day. And leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. It's what Paul says about those people who, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy welled up. Even though it was difficult and they were impoverished, they had an overflowing joy. Their circumstances were not great. It's what James, again, Jesus, Paul, James, I could have quoted the Apostle Peter to you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Are we getting the idea here? That life with Jesus Christ is characterized by an unshakable joy regardless of our circumstance. And his coming now creates in us this anticipation that he is always going to come through. He is going to make all things right. Just as we read in our responsive reading this morning, that there is a greater salvation to come. And regardless of how 
upside down my circumstance or situation might be unfair, random, uncalled for, unjust, all those things, and I feel it, and I know it, and I'm dealing with it, and I'm struggling with it, at the core of who I am, I can still have this unshakable joy, this undaunted optimism, a settled assurance, a quiet confidence that creates a determined choice in my life. Amen? I need an amen here. I am telling you some of the deepest things that Scripture is going to talk about to you. That our hope and our trust is not in our present circumstance, whether it be good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Our hope is always anticipating the second coming of Jesus Christ. I know you're looking at me like I'm strange. That's where it's at. You have better days ahead of you. I can guarantee you that. And because of that, I have an undaunted optimism, undaunted joy in my life. She also says this, joy springs from God's salvation. Listen to her. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God is coming through. He started with the promise. He pulled out a man named Abraham. He said, you're going to be a catalyst in what is starting toward the promised Messiah through my people, the Jewish people. And she is realizing that now. And she is rejoicing, bursting for, because she realized the salvation of God is happening. And I would remind you today, Mary's social status never changed. Being the mother of God didn't get her any perks. Um, she never became an earthly queen. She, even though she was the mother of God, she maintained the same social status. She had the same friends. She even had to be given over to John the Apostle to be cared for when Jesus was on the cross. It never changed. But her joy sprang from something that did change. Her spiritual status has changed. The Redeemer had come and her praise just wells up because he is accomplishing what I desperately need. What you and I need, right? It's what Matthew says when it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and in his joy he went and he sold all that he had, and he bought that one field. Joy springs from the fact that God has done what he's always promised. His salvation is here. And in Jesus, that series of events are now really, really, really here and accelerated. And he came once. He's coming again. He's going to restore this world. Everything is going to be made right and we will experience an everlasting kingdom. 
And that gives me an undaunted optimism because of his salvation. It's what, um, it's what David reminded us of. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The realization that I am forgiven, that I am new, have new life, that I am right with God, have peace with God, I'm his child, and the realization that that is just the beginning of an everlasting, eternal relationship with God that culminates in a new heaven and a new earth and me experiencing this earth in its perfected state, and I am going to experience that for eternity because his salvation is going to happen. There is nothing that can stop it. Gives me an undaunted optimism and joy. And third, joy exists in living out God's will. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She realizes that she is a part of God's plan. He promised Abraham, promised the people of God, I'm a part of that, And she bursts forth with joy when she exists in living out God's will. I am a part of God's plan on this earth. You and I aren't called to be merry, but I can promise you that there is great joy that comes in knowing the purpose and the plan of God for your life. And as you live that out, there is an undaunted optimism. There is a joy that rests on your heart that cannot be taken away. It's what Jesus modeled for us when it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. He was living out the plan and the will of God, and it brought him unbelievable joy to be used by God. It's what Peter, in the first sermon that was ever preached, he says this, you have made me to... You have made known to me the paths of life, your will, your plan, and you have filled me with joy in your presence as I walk that out. It's what Jesus reminds us in John. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Keep my words, keep my commands, and you will do this. You will remain, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And the reason I have told you this is so that your joy that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There comes an unbelievable amount of undaunted optimism when I realize the purpose and the plan that God has for my life and I live it out. And Mary was bursting with joy when she realized, I'm a part of what God's doing. And guess what the word promises? You and I, There's a purpose, there's a plan. And when I live in that, when I follow his word, his will for my life, my joy is absolutely complete. Amen? I want to remind you that season is joyous. I love it. Man, we got people wearing lights that are blinking during the service. We look a little ridiculous. Or at least I do, right? And I don't care. I love it. I'm a, I, joyous because I live with an undaunted optimism in my heart regardless of my circumstance because God's salvation has come 
He's come into my heart. And what's that, what that means as his child is he's coming again. And that means everything for me, everything. And so I live every day undauntedly optimistic about everything. Even when I struggle, when I'm dinged by the circumstances, hurt by life, there's something that's a settled assurance, a quiet confidence that creates a determined choice in my heart of joy. Because it's going to be all right just as that movie you watch or that game you know. We win in the end. It's all all right in the end. This world is restored in the end. And that means everything for you and I. And as I walk that journey toward that day, joy wells up in me as I get to be used by God in this world to bring his gospel, to show his love. There's nothing like it to experience his purpose It brings such a great joy. So let's go from this place. Let's sing together as we go. I invite you to stand. And would you allow joy to be something that is way past happiness? It's an undaunted optimism, regardless of your circumstance, because of God's salvation and his plan and purpose in your life. Sing it out.
other people this week. Have a great Sunday.